you, you don't get the chance to kill something more important than a butterfly is what I want to say right now. I feel like that's not the lesson we were going for. <laughs> but it but... is a little bit. It's the fact that the butterfly makes big changes over the long term, but you might think that you'd have to like destroy a mountain. And so I'm just saying that make the changes I, we were in a hotel that was right on the lake, which was very pleasant. Like, I could look out on it. If you're into lakes, I guess. Lakes are very nice. I guess so. Lakes are the worst. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was actually, um, so after that workshop, um, somebody came up to me and <laughs> she was like, okay, yeah, just wondering, it's great, you know, wondering if you had any suggestions. Um, I just have been diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, I guess, so I'm going on disability, like disability in the sense of not working, not the sense of getting money for disability. Right. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't really think I can service my debt payments. So I just was wondering if you had any advice. And then she went on to like, <laughs> kind of an amazing way. She was super level and she was like, not panicky or anything. Like she was like, look, I've gotten through lots of things before. Um, kind of described this whole plan of like bouncing her debt around different credit cards that she was like, this is what I do when I get into trouble sometimes. I just kind of like bounce it from credit card to credit card and from bonus kind of promotion to 0% interest rate to 0% interest rate. And I should be able to avoid it for the next couple of months. And you're just like, it, it both kind of made me impressed by you know, somebody's juggling abilities and also just kind of left me with this thought of, and plus the fact that I've been sick for the last week of just like thinking about sickness again and about um, effective sickness and about kind of the things that we can do and the things we can't do and the times that we can do them and the times that we can't. And, and, and so often, you know, you get to the point like, like she did where it's like, there's, there's not a lot of big stuff you can do at that point. It's just kind of, play the cards as they're dealt. It's interesting because I can imagine myself, despite giving really good advice to other people, I mean, I have been in, not, not because of illness, again, I mean, we hashed it all through probably multiple times on this podcast, but um, there's a point beyond which uh, there are no solutions for me. It's like, I don't mean there are no solutions, so give it up and let the whole thing burn down, but um, if you are caught unprepared, you have not developed your robust emergency fund or, you know, it's just whatever your life circumstances are, yeah. you're hit with this 90 days or whatever that, whatever the actual time period is, you're hit with something that you actually can't deal with in, in the best way possible. Then you, I, I just don't think that there's a lot of practical advice other than just do the things that seem right at the time yeah. and we'll clean it up later. Like just, you just get through it and don't like really burn something down. And yeah. I don't know what the piece is. You go into like minimize damage mode. Because there is this, I, I feel as though, again, kind of intimately from our own situation and talking to loads and loads of people, there is this sense that if I do not continue, if I don't always see a trend in my financial life that's up and to the right, there's not some kind of improvement year over year. Hmm. 
then, then I have done something wrong rather than our, our circumstances changed or our values changed. And again, I don't mean to be all like hippy dippy about it and say, well, whatever happens is fine. Yeah. But I feel like it's less, yes, it can be catastrophic and I don't mean to downplay that, but we're, we're all pretty resilient like human beings. You adjust to the new thing. I don't know. That's, I think that's very flip. I, I, I'm going to yeah, regret that, saying that's that that way. Oh, that's, uh, that's a very important point is that, yeah. you know, there is resiliency. You can recover and you're not necessarily going to recover to the line, the trend line, the trajectory that you were on before. But I mean, you can survive and you can enjoy your life on your new trajectory. Uh, once you get through the immediate crisis, you just, need to sort of give yourself that permission to understand that that previous thing that you had imagined is sort of gone, but that doesn't mean that the new trajectory that you can put yourself on is going to be super terrible. You can still adapt. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, in lots of ways, it comes back to conversations that we have about, well, would you be comfortable changing your retirement plan? if you have to draw against those assets to cover something, I mean, again, I'm going back into financial planner mode, but it always seemed so amorphous for me personally that of course, of course we'll change it. It changes year to year as employment changes. <laughs> Why wouldn't it change some more with an illness? No, that I think that somehow it can be comforting to just know that there's not some kind of secret solution that you're not, that you don't know about that you should be able to find that you know that that permission to just kind of say yeah like yeah you're going to use your credit cards a little bit now like if that's what's going to have to happen that's that's what's going to have to happen and some luxuries will be gone completely and like and then when you're on the other side of it and you have the capacity to consider just kind of the capacity to pass it like outside of this specific instance, then you can start sorting things out. Um, obviously that's yet again, it's like, it depends on the time frame of all those things. Sometimes at a certain point you need to, you need to increase that capacity and, and look outside of that because it, it can start getting rather precarious. But um, yeah. It's so interesting to me how, how our brains are wired to think, to feel as though each moment is connected and that our choices from now forward are, are still being shaped by what's gone on before. Instead of this idea that like, Oh, this new moment, I'm starting from here now yeah. and everything that happens comes from here. And then, it, and then the next moment it comes from there. And so that it, it's this, I always look at it, I always think of life financial life as a game of Plinko, which I've probably used that <laughs> probably used that metaphor before. But like once you, once it hits that first peg, it, you're not starting from the top of the board anymore. You're starting from that second level of pegs and, and your options are different and you just, you can't look back at, Oh gee, if only I had put it down over on the far right. I mean, you just, you just have to move on with whatever that narrowing set of choices are. And, and to think that, you have to have, you have to reach that age 55 retirement that you were hoping for. The house that you have has to be completely finished in five years or else you have failed this particular test. Uh, it's an interesting thing that we do to ourselves. It's, I don't think it's super 
healthy. No, but it, it's definitely something that, that we do. And by we, I mean me. <laughs> oh, I mean, I also mean me. That is so Oh, so then we can say we again. Okay, we's we back. We again. <laughs> <laughs> In all honesty. Do you think... I'm definitely part of that too. Yes. A royal we it is. Join us. Join <laughs> It's... Okay, so... What's the... Like going forward like sorry i'm I'm trying to somehow bring in uh, the question of like whether things like a universal basic income are like a future solution to kind of some of this some of this issue and i I know that that's like it's got lots of things on it we haven't ever really talked about you know basic income and how you guys feel about it but like it does provide a floor for people in this kind of situation to just have something to kind of fall back on if, if, uh, if things are wrong. And obviously in Canada, we're, we're lucky enough that there are healthcare options as well. And that doesn't become an extra burden, but you know, not making any income, even if you don't have huge hospital bills or it, maybe you still do in, in some vein. Um, is, is that, I don't know. What are the, what, what's the ideal here? Like what, what do we, you know, what are we moving towards? I, I'm I'm somewhat unsatisfied with um with with the way that we just with the way things kind of seem arranged right now. It seems like it's there's a a huge burden of of ha- of somebody having to try to create those pillars on their own. We're what like we're unsatisfied with the fact that somebody who's quite ill and quite low income might have to choose between feeding themselves and buying necessary medications. That's, yeah, I would describe myself as quite unsatisfied by that. I know. I'm sorry. I'm really <laughs> coming up with those hard, hard hitting, hard hitting, really fringe opinions. It's funny. So again, I'm John. I'm sure that you have. I really actually want to hear your opinions about this. But we we siloed everything off, I, and I'm thinking about this just in terms of my own local school. So the way that we can improve school outcomes, educational outcomes, is by doing school things. It feels like there's a shift from administration to administration. So one administration would say the way that we improve um, educational outcomes is by looking at all of the things that are involved in creating children who are able to learn how to read or able to read critically, you know, whatever those next levels are, kids who don't have food can't go on to learn how to read. Ah, but food is not a school thing. Books are school things. Hmm. So we're gonna do school things. We're gonna increase EQA or whatever those things are. Um, And same thing with health, like, oh, well, income, money, that's not a health thing. We're gonna do health things. Mm, I, I, I have a hard time with siloing things. I'm gonna shut up now. John, tell us. Yeah, no, siloing is a, a big problem. Uh, and it, it's also a big problem that uh, so much is essentially libertarian in terms of preparing for disasters. You have to go and buy your own disability insurance. You have to save yeah. for your own um, emergency fund. And you have to figure out that you need those things on your own. You don't get a little pamphlet. Oh, I would love to like, just like 
send out like a little personal finance handbook with everybody's tax return at the end of the year. It's like you get this big envelope with that one page sort of summary of your notice of assessment. And oh, by the way, do you have disability insurance? If not, here are some resources from the government or, you know, other things that we'd like. And I love that idea. Do you have an emergency fund? If not, maybe you could use your tax refund to start your emergency fund rather than blowing it on something. And, and, you know, just have like a little 12 page, instant personal finance thing in the mailed out um, tax returns or whatever, like just I, ideas. How much there. do I love this idea right now? And I'm trying to think about like what could just be calculated, even like base assumptions being like, hey, this is how much you made. This is should be your goal amount for an emergency fund. This is the amount that you should, you might apply, uh, uh, qualify for a long, uh, long-term disability. Here's some numbers of people that you should call. Except, I yeah. love that idea. However, it's learn your way out of an untenable situation. No, completely. And, and that's perhaps a, a topic for an entire episode is, you know, financial literacy versus regulations and systematic supports. <laughs> Yeah, we can silo that off slightly for today in, in our risk management conversation, even though it bleeds out all over the place, because it, it really is this sense of like, yeah, like people are on their own, especially people that like we keep on talking on retirement, how, you know, defined benefit pensions are disappearing. And so people have to take more ownership over what their retirement plans are. You know, the same thing can be made for, you know, benefit programs and that's been a better like a bigger black box even people with benefits don't really understand what their benefits may be they don't understand they might have long-term disability but they don't know that they don't get it for 90 or 120 days so they don't know what it covers they don't know how much it is they don't know if it's enough so there's so many pieces of that pie that maybe were never necessarily covered by the corporate world but as people don't have those the that that responsibility is shifting in, in a huge way and, you know, regulation could help, right? Like CBP is trying to step up its game to kind of increase the amount that it provides Canadians. Whether you agree with whether it should or shouldn't, it's, it's, it's weighing in. Is there anything kind of on the risk management side that is, has been tried to regulate? I'm just trying to rack my brains right now. I, nothing kind of comes to my, my head right now. The only thing top of mind, and it's it's not it's not the central question, but top of mind is the National Pharmacare Survey that mm. is closing on the twenty eighth. So after this podcast gets sent out, but yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, and it's something like it's it's kind of it's a little bit siloing in that health kind of thing to be like, how can we decrease costs specifically around, um, specifically around healthcare, and that makes total sense because that's a big burden for lots of people. But, you know, it, it's... Aside from, and it was it, actually really interesting to me that basic income even got tested. Like I just, the idea that I have put my work in, so I'm fine, I got mine. I'd, why would I want to support some, this, sorry, this is me being clearly not myself, but like, like this soundbite's gonna go out someday. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, I will cut it and I yeah. will release it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. But that it's that it's the I got mine. Well, doesn't that really just encourage sloth welfare queen myth yeah. problem? 
that you have to have great big um, political capital to solve and you also have to be totally happy to spend all of that political capital on that one thing because yeah. you you're not coming back I don't know it feels that feels very cynical but that's just where like when I think of dental care as being a thing that could have happened in Ontario yeah <laughs> so, it, your teeth it's just your teeth that's not your health you can live without teeth it's not like they're connected to your head <laughs> infection it's fine it's just in your mouth well, it's, it's people not quite understanding, you know, how much it costs for people that don't have insurance and how much it costs for people that have to put that work in, you know, and like somehow and, they're less valuable human beings because they don't work at a job that gives them dental care so that somehow scans as proper math for human value. It's, it's tough. And, and like, look, Universal basic, basic income is something that has a lot of, you know, a lot of sides to it within a spectrum of, you know, <clears throat> people that hate people and people that don't. Um, <laughs> like those and, are the only two. Like you are, you support basic <laughs> income if you like people, and you don't support it if you hate them. Well, as we know, Trouble. most things in life are binary. They're either one thing or the other. So like we can, we know that. So that's good. <laughs> like from that first principle, we can create all the other axioms. Fine. That's cool. But if you look at it through a specific lens of just like helping with the risk management, it, it sure does. It sure does seem kind of swell, you know, um, just to provide a bit of a floor on that, just to provide a, a, a bit of a something at the bottom of the, mm. at the bottom of the, the jar. I'm, there's no reason for that metaphor, but there's just something coming in. So you're not going down to zero. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a decent idea, but it's something that's not here now. So to be, but what do you do? So, I mean, we started the episode off by talking about this person who had cancer and, and what do they do? So what supports are in place right now? Uh, yeah. Where can someone go if they need help? So there's government. So there's things uh, like EI for yep. short-term disability. Uh, if you're out of work for a long period of time, completely disabled, then can't work, there's CVP disability. Yep. Um, what else is there? I mean, there are income-tested benefits that if your income is low enough for long enough but again that's that's more than a 90-day waiting period yeah. if suddenly yeah. you qualify for like district help um help or you know rebates on your hydro or your daycare or all those things that's waiting of almost it could be a full it could be even longer than a calendar year if you get sick in january of 2017 and file your taxes in april of 2018 hmm. but it is i mean it's there you yeah. know once you but you have to be willing to sustain a really low income not willing to, but you have to be able to survive through that before yeah. that help starts coming online. You kind of have to have to have lived through the initial, the initial mm -hmm. kind of crisis. Uh, that's a stupid way to look at it. You know, the crisis stretches on, but you have to be able to kind of survive. There's a certain amount of resiliency that, that has to take place first. Yeah. 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 So we're back to time machine where you have to prepare for this before no. it happens. And, and that's, that's not awesome. Well, you're back to a little bit kind of Sandy's very true and very seemingly perhaps unhelpful. But the truth is that people just have to be resilient, you know, like, like this is 
people know that. And this is like, it was really interesting to me because she, she didn't seem that worried. She wasn't coming up to me being like, I'm super stressed. I'm in crisis. She was just like, look, I've had a lot and I've lost a lot and just heading into a period where things are going to be hard for a while, but I have, things have been hard before and I know what I'm going to do. I'm just interested in whether there's something that I might be missing. And I think for her, it's like, there really isn't, you know, she's using credit tools like a wizard, which may not be what they're for, but like go nuts. You know, if you can keep track of all those different things and you can kind of save yourself some money on interest and, and, and dodge some payments, like, no, that's not, a debt management strategy except it kind of is it's like it's and even if it just feels like you're doing something and that helps I don't know that's not nothing and then it, it really does yes the advice at a certain point is once you're through this place how can you help things be a little bit better next time and that's like so much of financial experience I think on an individual level not a talking to other people level is Oh, that was bad. How can I make things a little bit better next time? And I think that like, it's one of the best tools that you can learn is the awareness to, to try things after something kind of rubs the wrong way. And, and just to try to, even if it doesn't help in the next time, although there, there are obviously things that she could do in the next instance, as far as whether she'll, be able to apply for critical illness and disability depending on I know there can be a waiting period sometimes for after a diagnosis depending on what you're being diagnosed by you know it's not off the table for the rest of her life but it will probably be difficult or she'll get Sandy I, I believe that you can get critical illness but that like doesn't cover certain diseases right so it'll you know with certain kinds of cancer like if you have that kind of cancer yeah. and it'll have that kind of carve out um, so who knows kind of what exactly is there and what she can do, but yeah, it's not that helpful. No, it's not helpful. But in the end, um, again, you, you said this already a little bit earlier in the episode that we have this desire to look at a situation that's really hard and say, well, there must be something we can do. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sometimes there's not, lots of times there's not, you just go through it. And, and to be honest, this comes back to what's enough. So I just, I mean, this is just, this is just a personal anecdote, but there was a period of time during kind of some of the crisis mode that we went through where I thought, I wonder if we'll still have a house when this is all done. And, it, and, and I don't, again, it didn't get that far, but there, but, but there was, I, I guess maybe we won't, I guess we'll find out. And the idea that there was something, I, I mean, it would not have been helpful at all to think, Oh, is there some other thing that we could have done? It's, it hasn't taught us anything except for to be grateful for what we have, which seems quite lame, but it is quite true. <laughs> Sorry, not helpful at all. No, it... no, I just, I do. I think it's really valuable to know ahead of time that in any, a good situation or a bad, you will never have a, a, either a backwards looking, oh, you should have done this, 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 and this, yeah. or a forwards looking, here's the ideal way to deal with your scenario. Yeah. There's, there's the, you know, the checklist of things that you, you know, that should probably work for you, or you can talk to somebody and get a kind of a customized 
plan for yourself, but you have to understand that it's life and it's messy mm -hmm. and it will never be ideal yeah. in a crisis situation. I, I, again, and, or maybe in a really great situation, you're never going to make like squeeze the absolute most out of something unless you're also in your mind willing to make the best of it if it's bad or enjoy what you can of it if it's good. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't have one optimized strategy if your attitude is shit. <laughs> no. And this is like, we've talked about it before too. It's this, like the soft skills are the thing that run the whole enchilada. Yeah. That's a phrase now. The whole enchilada. But like this idea, you know, you talked to lots of lower income people or not even lower income people, but people that come and they're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through the next six months. I don't know where the income's coming from, whether that's sickness or just job loss or whatever. But you know, some of them you say, okay, you didn't know six months ago where the income was coming from anyways. And you somehow made it to here. And I'm not saying that was fun and it's not idea. It's not, this isn't the plan to just go through life this way all the time. We're going to try to get, we're going to try to decrease stress. But knowing that is something, there's a skill there. And, and the skill of like making money last or finding income or figuring out with your community to get through a bad situation is something and, and kind of leaning into those things. And really those are the things that are behind the overall tools, which just create more capacity, which help in a situation, critical illness insurance that kicks in when you get a bad diagnosis, I'm sure does not hurt. I'm sure that's not something that people are like, Ooh, oh, shit. don't need this hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> this sucks. I wish I could have leaned on my community more as John so eloquently pointed out when I was in, talking about very similar things in a long distance, uh, long distance relationship, long distance insurance conversation. You know, it doesn't mean you don't put the tools in, um, yeah. but if they aren't there, it doesn't mean most soft skills aren't worth anything either. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Chris Entz, and I'm an advice-only financial planner at ragstoreasonable.com. And I'm Sandy Martin. I'm an advice-only financial planner at springplans.ca. I'm John Robertson. I'm the author of The Value of Simple, a practical guide to taking the complexity out of investing, and you can find my blog at holypotato.net. I'm Kate Smalley. I'm a financial marketer, and you can find me and all my links at katesmalley.com. If you liked what you heard, please go to iTunes and leave us a fantastic review. It helps us, helps more people find the podcast. And if you really liked what you heard, check us out at Patreon, Patreon slash Because Money, and uh, donate a small amount per podcast. It helps us keep the show running. Have a great week. We did it!